Hello and welcome back to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, the podcast of African entrepreneurs. And this is the special debrief and key takeaway session. Uh, we had a discussion, an insightful discussion with uh, two female co-founders, Alexia and Carabo from Capital Art. And I'm happy to be with Jason and Gerald to really debrief about this fantastic conversation I had with these two extraordinary ladies. So who wants to start? Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us back uh, on the show. It's really, it was really nice to listen to you, Alexia and, and, and Carabo. It's, um, it's really refreshing to, to, to hear about, uh, which for me was, was something completely new, uh, tech and art merged together uh, and delivering something of value uh, to, to, to the market. It's really, really insightful. Me, first of all, I would like to, to make a, a little parenthesis um, with regards to the uh, extraordinary women we just we just listened to, uh, not so long ago we, we celebrated International Women's Day, and I really want to say kudos to Alexia and Carabo for for being superwoman, for believing in themselves and and, and riding the entrepreneurial train. Uh, I think it is a it's a bigger feat to do in Africa with regards to all the additional challenges that women faces to to make a breakthrough in life. Um, even though we are living in a modern world, we are all striving for equality between, between genders. Uh, the reality is that we are quite far behind of where we should be today. So kudos to, to those two um, ladies making breakthrough in, in Africa. And on top of that, it is in a field that is not, uh, it's not a mainstream stuff, you know? Uh, it's not... Uh, it's not to be demeaning, but they, they are not like um, making it in a, in, in a coffee shop or, or, or something like that. It is something like super different, like merging capital and art and, 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 and steering up all the art uh, professional industry, I would say. So that's pretty cool. Um, now, uh, something that I have penned down uh, from from the conversation that I would I would like to, to come back to is when Carabo says, um, "Be a ferocious learner." You know, we probably learn more from the failures than we do from the successes, actually, and and it's okay to fail. There's really nothing wrong with that. So I think that that probably would be would be my my key advice. That's great yeah. advice. And I think the second um, is uh, be a ferocious learner about startups, but also learn from other founders. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about learning from people who have walked the path before you um, and learning a lot from their mistakes and also making your own, of course, because um, that's also how you learn. Be a ferocious learner, learn about your trade and learn about other founders. I think that is a very, very important uh, takeaway. And looking back to ourselves, us at uh, Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, allowing people to get access to resource and to learn is one of the central reasons why we exist. And when she said it, it really made ding into, into, my, into my mind because one thing that is constant in our life is the fact that we are perpetual learners. Uh, we should be perpetual learners. Like uh, me, sometimes I, I learn stuff just, just for pleasure and with regards to my trade, 
I need to keep learning if I want to keep, you know, stay not only stay afloat and ahead of the curve, but be good and purposeful in what I am trying to deliver. So I think it is a very, very important point for, for all the aspiring entrepreneurs out there and also the accomplished entrepreneur. Like, keep learning will in turn allow you to keep bringing value into and, and purpose into this world and keep you relevant. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that point. But one of the things I wanted to, to emphasize on that and what I really loved is um, obviously the two of them work very well together. And even at the end, you know, with the advice they were giving to um, entrepreneurs, they complemented each other the, with Alexia saying that uh, don't be afraid to fail. And then the, yeah. the following advice was as long as you learn from it, basically, uh, being that learner. And and I found that was such a testament to how they work together. And as they said, you know, one has the skills that the other one doesn't have. And and when you combine them, it, it enables you to, to achieve things that you never thought were possible. And that points to making sure that your founding team is part of a bigger picture, that you are all supporting each other. You all have your areas of expertise, but you also learn from each other. You listen to each other and you enable each other to, to give those comments. So I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really nice how with both pieces of advice, you know, you put them together and, and, and it was, it's, it's such a true statement. And I love, I love as well the, the complementary uh, skills of the co-founders. I think that's mm-hmm. completely, um, uh, completely relevant. And, and we all know, well, we all know, maybe some listeners don't know uh, because I'm, I'm, I stepped into the investment world now for a year or so. And, um, and the feedback that we're getting from VCs and, and angel investors all over the planet, actually, is that when you have at least two or three co-founders, uh, startup life uh, is longer than one co-founder, one founder. Okay, So, so better. Uh, and we know this African proverb is that if you want to go fast, ride alone. If you want to go far, uh, ride with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, that's the thing. That, one thing I wanted to come back, actually, um, know um, on, about what uh, Alexia and Carabo said um, where and I was I was actually very interested by the slow tech approach taking uh, starting from the customers Mark if I can just add to what you to sure. what you're saying and, and to what uh, Carabo was just saying is you know going also the low tech um, you know first first version going low tech is a is a wonderful way to also listen to your customers and and just get that feedback because, and I think that for me, that was a very big uh, learning through this entire process is, you know, you think you have an idea of what people need and what they want, uh, but they very often have a very different idea about what they need and what they want. And I think that that's the very big part of the journey of a startup is to be open to listening to what those real needs are. That was so refreshing, honestly. And I, I'm, I'm seeing startups almost on a daily basis that are going to pitch or that are sending their pitch decks, a lot of tech startups. And they come up with this great idea. And I want to become the Uber of Africa. I want to become the Amazon of Africa. I want to become blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And they all come with a solution. And the moment says, you ask, to how many customers have you talked? Oh, no, not yet. We're not ready. You're not ready for what? You're ready for failure. Definitely. Because if you don't talk to customers, then your product is just irrelevant. Okay, if it doesn't have a market, uh, it's just useless. And I think that the fact that they started with that, I think it's a great testament of you know where they can go and where they will go, hopefully in the in the future, because they're it's a very young uh, company. Yep. But yeah, it's just gains and start with yep. that. 
So here's a question for both of you guys. How would you differentiate the difference between what is an MVP and what is a low-tech solution? Um, you know, because at the end of the day, there is validation. Basically, what you're trying to get is validation from your customer from both. Bring out something very quickly into the market, even if it's really not good and take it from there and learn from there and iterate from there. So I think that for me, that was, that was the, biggest, um, uh, the biggest learning and it was one of the most challenging but stimulating and exciting, uh, um, you know, thing that I had to learn and do completely differently to anything I'd done, I'd done before. So how do you define the two? Are they the same thing? Are they different things? What do you guys think? I think it's, it's, it's a good discussion. My, my short answer could be that a low-tech solution could be an MVP, but an MVP doesn't have to be a low-tech solution. So uh, let me take an example. So what they are doing, because they're using you know, Google Docs and, and specific existing software, pieces of software, they're just binding manually together. It's a very low-tech thing, okay? But there is some tech, but it's low-tech. Uh, now, if I'm a developer, and I'm a very good you know, JavaScript developer or, or full-stack developer, and I start creating a, a, a small websites with a lot of you know features bells and whistles that solve a problem um, but it's not fully functional it does not everything the security is not 100 perfect blah 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 but it still works it's an mvp as well depends on really of what i want to is it so it's not low tech it could be high tech but it's mvp so i think both could be and both could not be yeah i i, I agree with mark well super super interesting question i think definitely that Two can be can have overlapping areas, but they can also be like uh, mutually exclusive. You know, like um, it can be low tech, but not an MVP at all. Uh, an end product can be low tech, you know, and an end service can be low tech, but an MVP can also be low tech. So yeah, both of it can exist. I, I think at the end of the day, uh, will it work for you? Will it be appropriate for you to be to be MVP low tech or just your end product is low tech? It will depend on what you're trying, what value you're trying to bring to to the market, what problem you're trying to solve, mm-hmm. and also in what phase in in what phase are you in terms of the maturity of the product or the service? Yes, I, I agree with that, uh, and I and I, I really like the the perspectives that you guys bring. Um, and and that fact of saying yes, an MVP can be low tech, but it doesn't need to be tech. I understand that. But if the main aspect of an MVP is to have the minimal viable product or value, whatever MVP you use, is to ensure that you are validating your with your market with the lowest amount of development engagement whatever you whatever your product is then surely all mvps are as low tech as possible i would like just to interject because this the um, something just like pops into my mind like jason let's let's take the example i i believe it depends on the industry we're, we're talking about also mm-hmm. uh a low tech solution a low tech mvp in the aerospace industry and a low-tech MVP in the tourism industry would be two different things. Like even, even if, I don't, I don't know, even if we need to test the, a rocket that we are going to send to space using an MVP and with the knowledge that we're going to blow it out, well, this MVP is super loaded with techno. Like mm-hmm. even if it's an MVP, it's like, super loaded with technology. So yeah, uh, 
how would you define that? But in, if I take an industry which I'm versed in, like tourism industry, we want to develop a new app or solution for the customer. A low-tech MVP can be, uh, can be a slide presentation, a PDF presentation, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing on, on the low-tech and, and the MVP, I think that one of the, of the things that I'm sharing as well with my students or with the startups is, um, let's say you want to develop something which is very high-end on, on a smartphone and you want to be, you know, very cool and very innovative and everything. So, mm-hmm. but you know exactly what you want to, to, to achieve. But you know what? It's, it could be very complex. You know, technically, you, know, you may need to integrate a lot of things. It will require, you know, weeks or months of development and everything. Now, it can be very quickly... Uh, that you can do a, a wireframe or kind of a mock-up, you know, with fake buttons and everything. And then you just load that and you ask people to really guide them and you guide them into saying, well, take a look and, and, and tell me what you think, whether it works or not, okay? Yeah. Uh, or whether you feel that it fulfills the need. And of course, this is not a full solution and everything. So it's be very low-tech, you know, doing a wireframing or doing some mock-ups could be very, very quickly done with very little technology. But the, the solution can be very well advanced in the future. And so exactly. it's an MVP at the end of the day. And it works. And it can bring some revenue. It can bring some customers. It can bring a lot of things. So it's just, yeah. I think that we, sh- we should not reinvent the wheel and, and creating something very complex sometimes. You know, it's just, let's start. I think let's start. Let's get feedback. Let's go out. But I think that's... Just, just do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, think, I think that that's, that's the difficult piece, particularly... If you're coming from the tech field, and as an engineer by, by, uh, by study, you tend to think that you need to do a beautiful thing and you need to check that everything, you know, all the bits and pieces are, are well together before launching. I think that's a, that's a mistake. That's a complete mistake. I agree. Um, yeah. Do you? Good. Do you agree, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> but what is your, it's a very interesting question. What is your point of view? You can ah, give it on this one. Though. Well, it really yeah. depends on the definition you give to low tech because low tech has been used several different ways and it's now being absorbed into the startup space. Low tech originally referred to um, um, basically technology before the industrial revolution. So technology mm-hmm. that was used without digital assets. Yeah. So when you talk about a low tech solution, you're talking about something that you don't basically rely on technology at all. However, in the startup world, it's, it's a different perspective of what low tech means. So it's really about wh- how you define it in order to mm. in order to say it is low tech or not. So, you know, just like we have definitions that are specific to startups, a low-tech definition of what it means to a startup is different from the other definitions of low-tech. So I think really it is about the definition, but the the thinking behind it is basically for me is, well, how do you validate it with your customers? What is important to your customers? You know, like the fancy app you give, for example, that's not necessarily important to him if he's trying to do something else. So the, the low-tech solution is basically saying, okay, what do you need? Can we do this? Do we need technology? Do we not? And that leads to that bigger conversation of is technology a tool or is te- technology the business? You know, a lot of companies are now moving towards, a lot of companies in the world are moving from, you know, I mean, even Coca-Cola or these other product companies are now tech companies. You know, the way they operate, the way they, they run their operations are tech companies. Uh, even if well, the product they sell is a low-tech product, 
but the way they manage their business is very different. So it's that debate of whether is your company moving to become a tech company or is your company a low-tech solution? So, yeah, that, that's my view. Yeah. Um, really like your perspective. Just the last bit of it, we, I, I, I would say, in conclusion, I would say we need to be able to differentiate between the hype and the real thing. Like mm-hmm. r- right now, every, as you said, everybody's a tech company. Yeah. I'm shipping bananas from one side of the world to the other side of the world. I'm a tech company. I am yeah. renting uh, office spaces. I am a tech mm-hmm. company. You know, like everybody's like, I'm a tech company. So we need to differentiate, be able to really differentiate and, and, and go below the, the superficial layer mm-hmm. to really understand, uh, are you really a tech company? Or you're or, a tech-enabled company. Or you're a tech-enabled company or, you, or you're just like using hype words, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thanks very much, uh, Jason, Gerald. It was a, a very good and long debrief. I don't know, you know what will come out because Jason will be editing that thing. So... Dear listeners, you will never, ever listen to the full episode, except if Jason agrees to release the full episode, okay? Uh, and in case he does it, which he can, okay? Then give us her feedback, because that's important. Give us five stars. Uh, we really need that. We've been running that podcast for close to a year, okay? We're coming very quickly down to our first anniversary. We're going to you know, you know, have this nice candle on the cake, uh, in a few weeks, uh, so coming from uh, from you know nowhere to close to 50 episodes, um, which is quite longevity actually in the podcast world. Honestly, uh, very proud of it. Uh, but now we need to move to the next stage. So we are scaling up our podcast. So we need five stars. The more five stars we have, the better we'll become. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day, and see you next Monday for Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, the podcast for African entrepreneurs. Ciao.